You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? on the Geek Elite Radio Network. We are here talking about all your comic book greatness for the week and, you know, maybe shining a light on a, a story that you don't know too much about. Maybe you do. We're talking uh, Identity Crisis. Yes. Not, not the Identity Crisis you're thinking of. That's DC. Not a lot of people died in this one. <laughs> we did that one already. We're talking about Spider-Man's Identity Crisis. And... Uh, the reason we're talking about it is that this month it is 20 years old. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I can remember looking at the previews catalog, and unfortunately 20 years ago, you know, I'm still in high school, and it's like, huh, do I have enough lunch money to buy this? <laughs> no, I do not. So I, I unfortunately passed, and I kicked myself because a lot of great characters came out of it. Yeah, no, uh, I remember I was pretty good into my collecting at that point, and uh, I hadn't started collecting Spider-Man yet. But I saw this poster at our local comic book store, uh, FanQuest, which we'll be doing another roundtable at on April 22nd for the 1,000th issue of Action Comics. 1,000 Milestone issues. right there. 80 years. We're talking a 20-year-old story. Now here comes an 80-year-old story. God, comics are getting old. Yeah, they are. But I saw the poster for uh, Identity Crisis, Spider-Man Identity Crisis, and... Each one had it had the four characters, but it had Spider Man and then the the split. And oh, then, the split half, like Spidey half, and then Dusk half, half or whoever, right, exactly. Because yeah. they do that a lot with Spider Man, the whole split art. You know that, that talk about a credit to what Steve Ditko did, right? You know that first time, like how do I show Spider Sense? <laughs> and he would just literally have Peter Parker standing there, and half the Spider Man mask would come off, and then yeah, it's become synonymous with Spider Man to do the split figure. Mm-hmm. You know, and it still even to this day we still see it. Plenty we still, yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I saw that poster, and I just thought to myself, wow, what what is going on here? Why does Spider Man need to have four different costumes that are not spider costumes and uh that really got me so i was like all right i, I guess i'm collecting and I, I assume at that point because it was the 90s there was four different spider-man books and they yeah. all they, like that was following each individual suit or something yeah yeah we um they, they had like web of spider-man amazing spider-man spectacular spider-man and i think it would have been peter parker spider-man mm. so those were your four and you know, it's funny. I, I would need to look it up because, let's see, this is 20 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So that puts us, if my math is correct, 1998. Correct. So five years earlier was 1993, which was the death of Superman. And then when we had the reign of the Superman, we had four Superman had four books and we got four different Supermen <laughs> out of it. So, and it's funny because I love comic book symmetry. And this never once clicked in my mind like, oh, my God, Same there they are. You know? <laughs> so this was I'm glad you brought this challenge to our, my attention and brought it up as a good one. Because, um, yeah, it totally like now I'm in my mind. I'm like, OK, so which Superman should fight which Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. Uh, all right. But we're going to be doing that in the DC universe. We'll get some we'll throw out our suggestions, our story ideas. But first, let's get to the spinner rack. What is new 
in comic books this Wednesday. Okay, so this Wednesday, April 11th. So obviously the month of April is going to be very super, you know, Action Comics 1000 hits. So next week is when that will be happening on the, if my math is correct, that should be the 11th. No, the 18th. So this week you can buy Action Comics 80 Years of Superman hardcover. Now, this one is kind of a bait and switch because if you originally ordered the hardcover collection of Action Comics 1000, that's originally how they solicited it, then they changed it and turned it into the 80 Years of Superman. It's not a bad deal, actually. Um, I've purchased one of those 75-year books, you know, 75 years of JSA and items like that. They're actually really good books. They have a lot of great insight. Uh, Mitch gave me the... uh, 75 Years of Two-Face. I love that book because it, it has these classic stories that you normally wouldn't get as a collection, but it also has, you know, essays in there saying, hey, this is why this happened, or here's what was relevant in the world around it. So this is a great way to relate Superman to the world that's around him, along with celebrating famous issues. Um, we will also have, and this one's big in the news right now, so perfect timing, Brian K. Vaughn will get a special DC Universe book. Oh, so wow. it's basically like, here's what Brian K. Vaughn, here's some of his highlighted stories in the DC Universe. And the reason I bring that up is because Brian K. Vaughn wrote Why the Last Man, which just finally got picked up as a TV show. That's right, it and, finally did, yeah. Yeah, this has been one of those ones, will it or won't it happen? So it's, it's very exciting. So talk about perfect timing on DC Comics <laughs> to have that be hitting the shelves. Um, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps issue 42 comes out. This will be dealing with the, gosh, you remember those 90s superheroes, the Dark Stars? Yes. They're back. Because Jon Stewart was one and... Uh, Donna Troy. Donna Troy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they are, they're, they're finally coming back. They're, they're bringing it into a post-Jeff Johns, post-rebirth Green Lantern universe. So I think this is exciting because... I originally was hoping that the controllers would have been the guardians of the orange light. And they Mm. were playing with that, but instead, Larflees just absorbed them and took them anyways. But I thought it would have been neat, you know, maybe if you saw the guardians, like, well, I want my own guardians, and then brought their images back up. (laughs) They could have played with a little bit more, but, you know, each opportunity to its own. Um, So anyways, that's going to start off a neat thing there. We will also be having... Now, over at the Green Lantern Corps... Uh, I don't know if I, because I, I'm not reading that book, but did I hear something that something's going on with Jessica Cruz? Well, that would be the Green Lanterns. Okay. And yeah, they've been playing with, her ring has a sentience, but it's different. Okay. Like, because each ring would be, like, I always pictured it more robotic, kind of like how our car GPS system is. Mm-hmm. And then her ring is kind of like how Jarvis is for Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You know, it has these little quips that still gives her information. So they've been trying to figure out Where's this coming from? You know, because when she first came into comic books, she was the Green Lantern, the evil Green Lantern power ring. Power ring, And so her ring was powered by Volthoom. And even then that was weird because you had two Volthooms running around. Were they the same ones? So they were retconned into it. So now all of a sudden at the end of Dark Side War, she gets a Green Lantern ring. But it behaves so differently. Hmm. So, yeah, that's what they've been trying to play with. Like, what's going on with this? And I'll be honest, like, I kind of dropped Green Lanterns. I... You know, it's a neat book, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, something's got to give. So a book about two Green Lanterns versus a book about four Green Lanterns. So I pick that one. I, you know, I go with Hal Jordan instead. And, 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 am I wrong, or is she also in a relationship with Wally West? You one? know, I, I haven't heard anything, so I don't know. I, but that would be that would be kind of neat and kind of sad at the same time. I know they were hinting at Barry kind of having like a crush on her and her having a crush back mm. because when she first joined the Justice League she was powering. 
And, you know, he was definitely there to be like, hey, are you okay? You know, is your ring okay? Are you okay? It's not too much, you know? So <laughs> he was the one who was being polite to her because that's that's one of Barry's attributes. Right. You know, so they were kind of playing with that. Uh, it would be exciting, but at the same time, I hope it doesn't come to fruition because I want Wally to go back to Linda. I hope that eventually finds its way back into our right. comic book universe. <laughs> okay. But yeah. So anyway, so yeah, the, those are the big highlights from this week's DC Comics. Um, actually, there is one more. I forgot. Sorry. Superman Exile and Other Stories Omnibus Hardcover. Now, it's an omnibus, so it's going to have a hefty price tag. But this one's going to be really neat because this is an era of Superman stories. Basically, so when we see Man of Steel in about a month from now, this will be new to some people, but it won't be new to most people. Because we've had, when DC Comics restarted itself with Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, they restarted the whole DC Universe and its mythos. And part of that was the launching of Man of Steel by John Byrne. So John Byrne wrote the Superman comics for probably a good three to four years. And then, you know, things didn't work out so well between him and the editor. So he, he eventually took off. And that's when we got Jerry Ordway doing more. At, at first, he was just the artist with, uh, I believe, Mark Wolfman on Man uh, on Adventures of Superman. So now Jerry Ordway started writing and drawing. Uh, Dan Jurgens and more writers, Louis Simonson, Roger Stern, started coming over to Superman, which eventually would take us to the death of Superman. So these are some of the stories that will branch off from the origins with John Byrne that will eventually lead us to the death of Superman. Now it's kind of a bummer because they had a great collection of trade paperbacks called Man of Steel, and they made it all the way up to Volume 9. I was hoping they were going to keep going, but instead it looks like they folded all these trades and put them in together as a Omnibus. Mm. So it's up to you. I would recommend if you can find it at a good discounted price, that might be worthwhile because most of the stories that are in here, Exile, which basically plants the seeds for the Eradicator and various other collections that are in this book, they're out of print. So they're going to cost you quite a penny. So it's up to you if you want to research it and see what's inside it. If it tickles your fancy, if you can find one of the trades for cheap, go for it. But if you'd rather get the whole kit and caboodle, that'll be this Wednesday. Uh, going to the other side of the fence where we have Marvel Comics. So we have Avengers issue 688, which will keep on with the No Surrender story arc. Um, this has been interesting. I like it, but at the same time, knowing what the company's going to do with their fresh start, it kind of makes me sad. Not that, it, you know, it's like, oh, but it, it was building towards something. And I mean, I know it's going to build towards Jason Aaron's Avengers, which does look good, mm -hmm. but it kind of took the steam out of the engine when they're like, all right, here's the legacy initiative. Never mind. Here's the fresh start initiative. Sorry, Marvel. Just letting you know. Yep. Um, we will still have um, a, a collection of the Avengers Defenders War will be coming out as part of the Avengers Epic Collection. So that's a neat trade paperback. This one I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to announce that we still have Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider-Man, sorry, the Scarlet Spider issue 17 coming out. Um, I, I'm so happy this book's going. I think we're all the way solicited up to 20. And this issue 17 will be part of the Damnation event. If you're not reading Damnation, find the checklist and go find those issues. It has been a blast. Then we also have a big one, Captain America 700. Wow. Yeah. Now, it's going to be funny, though, if you do your math correctly. On July 4th, we'll have Captain America number one. <laughs> but they're going to do a dual number system, so I'll admit I was discouraged. But this past weekend with C2E2, they did announce they'll go back to when they did the double numbers. So I, I think that's great because if you want to have issues one or whatever, that's cute. That's fine. It's a good marketing sale. But 
don't make it harder for me as a collector. Don't make it harder for our local comic book shops to help people put together comic books. Right. Because if a new fan comes in and he grabs a smattering of issues and they're numbered one, two, three, four, five, he might get let down because they're from various different volumes. So I hope the double number sticks and I hope they keep going along with it. Uh, Champions 19 will be out. This marks a brand new creative team coming to the book. Um, they were the ones that were writing de- uh, Thunderbolts, this last round of Thunderbolts. I enjoyed it, so I would, I would definitely recommend trying to give it a shot if you're interested. Um, we have Doctor Strange, issue 388, which will also continue on with the Damnation event. Domino, number one. So we're getting ready for a Deadpool 2 movie, which will introduce Domino. So this is a big one. And not only is it big for the character, but Gail Simone is coming back to mainstream comics. She'll be writing for Marvel Comics again, so I know this is a big one. That is crazy. Wasn't she just over at DC for something, though? Was was she not doing uh, Batgirl in the, in the Birds of Prey? I don't think she has been. She hasn't been doing that for a while. Oh, okay. um, but, yeah, I want to say she was she was definitely doing a lot more... Independent stuff. I think we saw her more at Marvel in recent years, mm. um, just because I, I hadn't caught her wind of her in a while. So, but it's it's great to see her back. She's written some good stories. So I know she did she I, she did a run on Deadpool before, correct? Yes, yeah. yeah she, so she does have some legacy with these characters. So that'll be exciting to see what she's going to do there. Yeah, she did um, the Deadpool when uh, when they introduced with Agent X, I believe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, when uh, they changed the titles. Time. Yeah. I, I believe, and she did a lot of stuff with Taskmaster too. And then she had the Outlaw, or not Agency X. I, I think she did, where Agent X had his own uh, agency where he hired Taskmaster and Deadpool and uh, um, Outlaw. I think Crazy and is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that was a strange era. But yeah. I mean, at least the writers that got on there gave us some fantastic stories. Yeah, there, no, you know exactly. Uh, let's see. This is going to be an exciting one. Hopefully, it'll it'll take off, but you never know. But Exiles is coming back. Um, that's always been a fun flavor book because they've traveled from different various worlds. They had various characters from other alternate realities and items like that. So this one's going to introduce Valkyrie. So we're going to get basically Valkyrie from the movies, but a comic book version of her. Uh, so okay. we're going to get her back. Blink, I know she's always had a great following of characters. And the original Nick Fury will be part of this because now he's the man on the moon watching everything. So he'll kind of be, I guess, their their handler to something of that effect. So that'll be pretty exciting to see that book. I, um, team books are always a fun one. And then there's a Thanos 18. Um, if you are not on the Thanos book... You're missing out. This Thanos wins arc has been pretty amazing. Um, it's a future story, so you know it may or may not happen. But the cosmic Punisher Ghost Rider hybrid that's in this book, he's awesome. Um, he's actually going to be getting his own book, which is something we found out out of uh, C2E2. But yeah, I, I totally missed the boat, so I'll be, pro- I'll be picking this up in trade. But yeah, I recommend if you can get some of the issues, go for it. They've been fantastic. Then the True Believers line will be giving us Infinity Gauntlet number one for a dollar and Thanos Rising number one for a dollar. The Infinity Gauntlet will be tough because you'll only get part one of a story and same with Rising. But some of those books, it's a great way to try it out, see if you like it, and then go hunt down the trade paperback to get the rest of it. Venomized number two of five will be out this week. Venomized is a, and this is, it was funny because I wanted to ask you this question to see what your thought was. Storyline versus event. Mm-hmm. Okay, storylines to me, like 
uh, Emerald Dawn is a storyline. Emerald Twilight is a storyline. But Emerald Twilight, like Emerald Dawn had a major effect on the character because it was an origin story. Emerald Twilight gave us Parallax, Kyle Rayner, and then, you know, the whole change for the next 10 years. Okay. So would Emerald Twilight be considered an event? Or is it just a storyline? I would say, I don't know. I, I guess the best way that I can see it is like, take, okay, take, uh, it would, I, would, I would say if for it to be an event, it has to cross over into other comic books. So take uh, Justice League No Justice. It's about to go on? Yeah, yeah, that should be coming up very soon here. Uh, that's, a, that's an event. Justice League Tower of Babel, that's a storyline. Story yeah. Okay, because, yeah, sometimes it gets curious because, like, I was thinking about, like, Daredevil Shadowland. Mm-hmm. So they marketed it as an event, but it very much kind of reads off as a storyline. Right. Now, it did kind of what you said. It, it, it bounced off in other books. We had a Ghost Rider uh, one-shot, an Electro one-shot, and various other characters. Uh, even a couple miniseries spin out of it. But that, again, you didn't really have to read those if you didn't want to. True. If they weren't characters you wanted. You know, Nightfall. Is it an event or is it a storyline? Well, to me, I would say it's a storyline because it pretty much stayed within the Batman books. Right. So it's always tough. So, but anyways, the reason I bring this up is because I was thinking about Venomized. So I read part one. Really good book. Um, in part one, Spider-Man gets a symbiote. So mm. he's back in the black costume, which is interesting timing because they just told us in Amazing Spider-Man 800, we're going to see Pete wearing the black costume. Is it a symbiote or not? So was this story part of that like oh. will we actually see some of the fallout probably it kind of fits but it kind of doesn't though because i think we're at 798 right now and that one the red goblin just beat the shit out of pete and he's like <laughs> i won't kill you but i never want to see spider-man again and pete was like okay and ran off wow. and you're like oh my god <laughs> what so who knows what this is going to be so i was interested because it's like well did this just happen you know because they even told us too like we have uh Jane Foster's Thor is in the book, and she gets a symbiote as well. And she's dying of cancer, she, Well, right? she already died, yeah. Oh. So they killed her last week in Thor 705 or 706, something like that. So it was just interesting because it's like, okay, so is this going to be an event or what? And they haven't been marketing it. I mean, yeah, like there was this big, nice uh, cardstock poster that they were giving out at some comic shops, but I haven't heard much talk about it, much hype about it. But I'm invested in it because it has the X-Men Blue team in it. So, you know, wherever Cyclops goes, I follow. Um, I enjoyed part one. So part two comes out this week and it'll be a weekly event for the month. So I definitely I'll put it on your radar. I think it's worthwhile. Speaking of X-Men Blue, we have X-Men Blue issue 25 will be out. Um, That's going to focus on a new team. So if you're kind of interested to see what's going on with Havoc and uh, Emma Frost, this is kind of the book to go to. X-Men Red number three is out. You know, the Red book, I didn't have much care for it. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because it's kind of, it's interesting because in the community, there's right clops, as they've been calling them, ever since he got the new X costume that he's on. And he's very much been more of a revolutionary, (laughs) you know, a Magneto light. Right. Um, With X-Men Red, it's kind of interesting because I almost feel like Gene's walking down that same path. Not necessarily as extreme as Cyclops was, but again, I didn't see Cyclops really doing anything extreme. You know, it was just, <laughs> well, we want Wolverine to be the good guy, so I find it interesting. Um, it's been a good book. Tom Taylor, he's a writer you can bank on, so I highly recommend him. So anyways, those are some of the books I would recommend. Keep your eyes out for this upcoming Wednesday at your local comic shops. Sounds awesome. Um, so since the last time we recorded, I made it to WonderCon in Anaheim. And How was it? 
Oh, it was a lot of fun. I had I had so much fun. I I I didn't get to make it to too many panels because I was so much to do on the exhibit floor. I uh, got to meet a lot of creators. Got to uh, interview some uh, some comic book people. That's awesome. But uh, I did make it to the DC Universe panel, and uh, I guess I talked about that a little bit. They yeah, had, what'd you learn? They had uh, creators. Uh, they had a bunch of a, a few creators there. They had um, uh, Justice League Odyssey and Flash writer Joshua Williamson. Oh, he's great. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey writer Julie and Shauna Benson. And then uh, Mr. Miracle Artist, Mitch Gerards. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> He's a fellow Arizonan. Did you know that? I did. I did yeah. know that, yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they didn't really... I mean, obviously, they're not going to get into too much of what is to come, but they did talk about some of the things that they're going to be working on. Uh, so, Williamson's doing that Justice League Odyssey, which I think is the outshoot from that is we you're going to get the, the the new teams like the one with the dark side on the team yeah because in dark knight's metal they broke the source wall so there's no longer that barrier so yeah dark side and a random grouping of justice leaguers <laughs> are going to go into the odyssey yeah so that that justice league team is starfire green lantern jessica cruz asriel one of my favorites and dark side now that just seems like the oddest pairing I, I don't know if uh, I don't know what and also and maybe I'm just not up to date on my uh, detective comics yet uh, because I'm always a, a few months behind or a month behind. But Azrael in that book does not seem like the kind that uh, the kind of person that would want to join up on a team uh, of the Justice League's caliber, let alone with Darkseid and Green Lantern and Starfire. So I really want to know if they're just gonna kind of ignore the, the, the personality they've been giving him in the book already and just go like, hey, we just want to bring this character back. I mean, because, and that happens with second tier characters, yeah. you know, they, they, they have different personalities in different books because they aren't the, they aren't, he's not Batman. Yeah. Bruce Wayne, Batman's going to be the same in Justice League as he is in Batman, as he is in, it, when he shows up in Green Lantern. But you're right, though. I, I found out a couple times where it's like, I love a character and like, okay, for example, young Cyclops, you know, he has a voice in X-Men Blue. But then he has a different voice when he's in Champions. Mm -hmm. And what helps me to get through that is like, oh, maybe since he's hanging with a different group of friends. But it's like, no, your your voice is your voice. You know, <laughs> your, your instincts are your instincts. You right, know? right. So it's tough. And I, I feel for you because I've been through that with several of my characters. So I, I hope – because you're right. It, it does seem out of place for Azrael. Mm-hmm. I mean, the costume design is beautiful. It is. That red and gold, I love it because it very much – it looks like his classic – it's his classic Azrael colors, but with that very much that also Batman look that mm -hmm. he got. And it's just like, that's kick ass. But yeah, it's like, what is he going to necessarily do in space besides be a liability? No <laughs> offense to the character. No, but, no, you're you know, absolutely right. He's not on that yeah. caliber. He's not that, he's not that character. And uh, I mean, I guess you could say when he took over for Batman as, you know, as Batman and then eventually as Azbat, he was part of the Justice League. So that would take him in outer space. But uh, I'd still say he'd be out of place. And, you know, something I would be curious, and I don't know the character too well, does he show that he has detective abilities? Uh, I don't remember him ever really showcasing any detective abilities. He was more of a he was more of a, a brawler um, and more introspective. Like, he was a psych major and computer major when he was uh, in college, back, right. back when they first started. But uh, I, I don't know if they've kept any of that. I don't okay. think he has. Because that'd be kind of neat maybe where Batman sees like, hey, he's got something here. Mm -hmm. 
So maybe he could be like the team's therapist. Maybe he's there to help with them coping with like, you're very far away from home. You're outside the known universe. <laughs> There's a reason there was a wall and you're on the other side of it and you're hanging out with dark side. So let me, <laughs> let me try to talk to you all. Maybe that'll be his role. Maybe they can maybe. play something like that, you know? Um, but yeah, so I, I guess I, I'm excited to see what happens with this team and what, what happens coming out of there. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny because I remember when Bendis took over Avengers, you know, he, boom, he just destroyed the team with, um, God, I can't think of the story. Disassembled. Then. Disassembled. Yeah. And then he brought it back. And then eventually Avengers got so popular that we had multiple titles. Right. Avengers, Mighty Avengers, New Avengers. Uncanny Avengers, New Avengers, uh, Avengers, uh, Secret Avengers, Secret, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And so it was neat to be like, wow, look at all these books. And I mean, they didn't even bother to say like, well, let's go back to the easy one, <laughs> Avengers West Coast. Yay. You know, so True. this is like an era of Justice League that we haven't seen in a while because there's at least three books, and I have a feeling. And now this is going to be tough because there was recently talk about Nightwing, and then it just it kind of felt like it was one of those like, oops, never mind. <laughs> you know, like, uh, but he's a leader. You know, so do you have him? Do you have him keep the Titans going, or do you drop the Titans and just hope that it stays Teen Titans, or? Maybe we use a property we haven't used for a while, the Outsiders. I, I, I would love for them to bring the Outsiders back, but I, I really wouldn't want them to get rid of the tit- uh, rid of Titans. Right. I, I love that team. I love uh, the writing and the art on that team, or on that book, I should say. Uh-huh. Um, but if I guess if they dropped the title of the Titans but kept the creative team and they became the Outsiders, I could... I could be for that too. Oh yeah, like what is it? I think it's Dan Abnett who's writing that one. He's a great writer. Right. Um, I I would love to see him stay with that group of characters. You know, tossing a couple other ones. You yeah. know, like all right, let's you know because it's tough because I know we're talking outsiders and that's probably what's going to happen in Detective Comics. But it would be kind of neat if we had something. So I don't know. I, I just feel like when they're assembling all these teams mm-hmm. and they kind of got these color themes and whatnot, I don't believe I saw blue. If I remember correctly, I think I saw red, orange, green, and purple. Mm. I didn't see blue. We've got three title books launching. Stuff usually goes better in fours because we have a Justice League book every week. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I just I was drawing at straws here, but I was kind of like, hmm, maybe maybe something big is coming for Dick Grayson <laughs> in terms of Justice style teams. Cool. So I hope so. Uh, and then um, Julie and Shauna Benson. They uh, were going to be leaving Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, and they were going to jump onto the Green Arrow annual. And then they also, I don't know if they announced it there, but they definitely made a big deal about it, that they will be doing the ongoing Green Arrow uh, nice. uh, book. So uh, they said they, that I, I guess it's the, the outcome of No Justice, where all these characters, all the Justice League characters are being transported to outer space or someplace else, mm-hmm. except for Ollie. Ollie's the only one that's left on, on Earth because <laughs> to give him more of a complex that he doesn't belong with the superheroes, yeah. I guess. Uh, but yeah, so he, they said that they're going to be playing a lot, around with that a lot in their book. So I, I'm excited to see that because Ollie is another one of my favorite characters. Maybe that's what they should do. Maybe Green Arrow should take over the Outsiders. We have yet to see him go there. I don't think he's ever been a member. No, not of the Roy outsiders. was an outsider. Yeah. You know, so maybe that'll be something where it's like, well, f- screw you guys. You always make me feel like an outsider. <laughs> then I'll be an outsider. I'll start my own team. <laughs> uh, you know, that is that is true. I mean, I know that uh, Ollie and his his money have gone up and down and gone and back and stuff like that. It's kind of Tony Stark. He's the Tony Stark, yeah. yeah. 
but uh, in the last re- last book I read, he was I think he was still not rich, but uh, uh, I see why he hasn't ever just started his own team. Like he's like, fine, if Bat- Batman and Bruce Wayne could do it, I can do it too, kind of thing. Well, I know at one point in continuity, he was the actual he was the the financial backer. I think he was the original financial backer of the Justice League. Really? Back when it was the the five, right. so Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Marshman, and Black Canary, I believe he was the financer, and he just kept himself out of it because at that point he was just kind of like, oh, I'm just around my dinky little Robin Hood wannabe <laughs> costume, you know. Well, there you go. Uh, and then and then Mitch Gerard just talked more about Miracle Man and all the the issues and this little like snippets like Easter eggs, I guess is the best way to put it uh, that he drops into the, into the, um, the panels and stuff like that. There was something about the heart monitor at one point, and I guess in the baby birthing issue. Oh yeah. That would have been the just recent one. I think it was issue seven. I think there was some type of something in the heart monitor that was like a Easter egg. I can't remember what it was. Though. Ooh, I'll have to go back and look then. Yeah. 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 That was a, Oh, that was a, that was an interesting issue. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I can't shut up about Mr. Miracle, so <laughs> buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. But no, but it's it's been such a fantastic book. And to like following Tom King and, and Mitch Gerards on social media, you can see how much they care about the characters they're working on and like what they're crafting into the into the book is amazing. So that's exciting to hear that he's like, yeah, I put these little Easter eggs in there. Um, and issue seven is pivotal because – uh, Scott Free and Big Barda have a child together in this mm-hmm. one, and it's even like more massive because Mitch Gerard and his wife just had a child. Like that's literally why we had the skip month because he was like, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to go step up and be a dad right now." <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's kind of neat because it's like these two gentlemen are drawing from their own personal experiences and putting into comics, you know. And it's I think that's great because the New Gods have always been a tough character set because it's like. Why the hell do I care? They're gods. I'm not. True, yeah. And but they're injecting a lot of humanity a lot. into them and it's making it way more fun and relatable. And uh yeah, did uh and it, oh, in Josh Williams Joshua Williamson also talked a little bit about Flash War. Nice. And uh you know, the whole Zoom and the I guess what are they called? They're not the rogues. They're the Oh yeah, they we we saw them at the end of before Flash went to Flashpoint. Right. And yeah, they were basically cops based off the rogues. Right. Like Sergeant Cold and or Citizen Cold. Citizen and Cold or Commander Cold. Commander Cold. There you go. Yeah, yeah things like that. I and can't remember their group. Weather, name, but. Wizard, no, Weather Warlock and uh, I think, I don't know. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. They yeah. all have the similar names, but they're different. So uh, definitely interesting stuff coming out of there and can't wait to see see more. What have you been reading this week, though? This week, what have I been reading? Um, actually, well, I've been kind of all over the place. I, um, I've been continuing reading my Cyclops trades, so I finally finished um, Messiah Complex. It, it's a lot interesting reading it compact in a trade format than it was waiting week by week by week for the issues. Um, and then the trade paperback had an outline, an original outline of what was going on. So it was kind of interesting to see what was compromised in order for the stories to go and what got picked up and expanded upon. Uh, then after that, I read the trades for, because then the book spun off into two parts. So you had Uncanny X-Men, which turned into the Divided We Stand arc. Uh, not too bad. It was another growing moment for Cyclops because I think even though a lot of people look at Messiah Complex as the book where Cyclops was like, all right, I'm stepping it up. He did, but it was even more apparent in the divided we stand trade or story arc because at that point cyclops thinks professor x is dead 
So he disbanded the X-Men, and now it's going to be like, okay, we're going to move to San Francisco. We're really going to do something here. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I also read the X-Men Legacy Trade, Divided He Stands, which dealt with Professor X dying, but then basically reconstit- re- rebuilding all of his psyche to help bring him back as well. Mm. Uh, so those are some of the books I was reading. Uh, comic book-wise, um, God, whatever came out last Wednesday. Um, I know there were some good ones. I just can't think of them off the top of my head right now. But what about yourself? What have you been? Uh, you know what? I don't think I have anything to report back that I've read lately. Uh, I have a whole bunch of stuff stacking up, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think uh, I've had a chance to read anything as of late. So uh, that's where I'm at at the moment. Let's see. The last thing, I think I was reading uh, some Nightwing, and uh, I, I think I got through another issue of Doomsday Clock. So... You know, I'm glad you brought that one up because I was thinking about that. I was so supercharged for this book, mm-hmm. especially when they pitched the idea that it's like, okay, this launches in November, November 2017. So come November 2018, that final issue will line up like what we've been reading in this book. That's the future DC Universe one year from now. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get there. And it was exciting. And, 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 I, and I, I mean, no offense to the creators behind this. I mean, they're both very busy men, and, and I, love, I, I love this artist, and I can't think of his name right now. Um, oh, uh, oh, God, why can't I think of his name either? It's not, it's not Dave Gibbons. No. No, it's, um, uh, yeah. But anyway, so the artist on this book, he's, he's a great guy. He, um, he's very polite, very beautiful art, you know, and, and I know they've been making sure that it's like everything drawn in that book is there for a reason. The right. colors are that way for a reason. The mm-hmm. layout is that way. Like you're going to have to sit down with this comic with a magnifying glass and notepad. <laughs> so it makes it tough for me because I'm still at issue two and I have yet to decide like, do I just want to buy it and stash it and then read it? <laughs> or do I want to keep with them every other month? Cause now it's going to be every other month. So what was going to take a year is now going to take two years. Yeah. That's, and that's, I think that's where the disconnect is, is because where do you, if, if it was supposed to line up, like what's going to happen now that it's been pushed two years? And and is this because, I mean, I don't, I don't think it really is, but could it be because Justice League did so horribly in the box office? Like they're like making some big changes. I mean, I understand that Gary Frank was the was the penciler. Thank you. Uh, but I understand that Jeff Johns, who's obviously very busy over at DC and Warner Brother Inter- Entertainment, whatever the hell his title is at the moment, but and Gary Frank is is an incredible artist, but yeah, I mean, they, if they had this plan to do these issues every month and then be out in November 2018, and now it's being 2019 when it's going to finish, that's that's a big, a, that's a massive big change. change. Yeah. yeah. So well, the thing is, I don't think it was necessarily based off from at least what was released because they did talk about it and they said look we're going to go every other month so that way we're not forcing Gary Frank to finish fast because if we force him to finish fast we're going to lose the quality that we're trying to give you so that makes sense because I mean these are nine panel pages right and nine panel pages are tough to draw I mean you know like when you write a comic book script, it's tough because you have to think about, oh, my God, how do I want these panels to lay? How do I, And every writer and artist has their own style. Yeah. And for like the time I played around with writing a script, I loved when you could have a big splash page, you know, page 28, all black page, and it just says, I am dark side. <laughs> Done! <laughs> you know, you're like, that was the best page of the book, you know? And I'm sure the writer is like, oh, thank God, you know, like, just give me a black and then I'll type this out and we're done, you know? 
So it's 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 a tough concept. So I can understand the pressure because Gary Frank does deliver, you know. But yeah, you would have think it's like, well, shouldn't you guys have thought of that at the start? And then instead, because now I'm wondering, well, what were the plans that you had for 2018 November? Yeah, is that going to matter? You know, exactly. Because we were talking about this. How come in the book? How come Superman's not wearing trunks? Yeah. You know, and the bat symbol, if you look at it next time you look at your pages, look at the bat signal. He's got the yellow oval back. Right. So it's like, well, which continuity are we looking at here? How is this going to come to play? And that's you know? the, that's what that whole book is about. It's all about continuities and how the the worlds are going to come together because, uh, as you see, it's uh, Ozymandias and uh, Rorschach and what were the two? Oh, Marionette, uh, and Marionette and Mime? Mime. Yeah, the two of them, or the four of them coming from the Watchmen universe, which is being obliterated. Yeah. And uh, coming, jumping to, DCU. jumping to the DC universe where they believe Dr. Manhattan is because they followed, Ozymandias followed some trace. Energy trail. Yeah, yeah energy trails to, to get there. And, you know, obviously with a power uh, source as big as Dr. Manhattan, you can definitely play with reality changing powers you know yeah. so something something was going to come out of this that was definitely going to affect the rest of the dc universe maybe maybe another maybe another fucking uh reality change you know like yeah. rebirth was or well yeah because i mean is this something where you know at the end of the story arc is this the story that merges the watchman timeline with into the, the dc timeline i, I wouldn't doubt so it. we have the jsa because there's hints of the jsa in this book yeah so maybe we get the jsa and now there's another team that was the Minutemen. The, the Minutemen. boom you know do we have rorschach and the question captain adam and you know do we we take those charlton Carey. face smiles and merge them with their real dc counterparts from the the original sd i mean yeah what was going to happen because this was supposedly a book it's like well if you're a legion fan Pay attention to this book because mm. Rorschach Jr. is in Arkham Asylum, and that's where Saturn Girl is. Yep. Now, we've seen Johnny Dunther, Johnny Thunder in this book. So, if you're a JSA fan, this is the book to watch. You know, this comes straight out of the button. So, Flash fans, you might want to be paying attention. In which we know that Jeff Johns is a huge fan of both the Legion and the JSA. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, all this stuff is supposed to have a giant payoff, but you're pushing it back a year. Like, I understand that. The the story this the the cover story of you know we want to give Gary Frank you know time to yeah, make right, the art right. right is good story yes we want him to make good art but I gotta imagine they plan things out better than this like oh yeah you could I mean you would think that he would at least have six issues in the bag before you even start releasing stuff exactly you would have thought like okay I mean and again you know maybe Jeff did and he's like here's all twelve issues scripted go to town yeah maybe you know I mean it's tough to say but it's it's it is tough to swallow that pillow as a fan because that's a huge commitment. You're asking me to pay attention to a story for two years. We do it willingly, you know. Yeah, hey, I jump on the, the Guardians of the Galaxy comic pool list. No problem. I'm yeah. reading that story, but it's been laid out. Yeah, but you also got to think for, for people like us who collect multiple books a month, if you're going to put two months in between issue two and issue three like there's a there's oh, yeah. gonna be a lot of things i'm gonna forget and yeah. i'm gonna just be like i don't know if i even care to keep reading like, honestly that's what that's what happened to me you, so yeah. it's yeah and you're gonna i'm almost gonna be like well i guess i just wait, wait for the trade now and maybe that's what they're doing they're just like okay we're writing these books for just the trade you know you know honestly it kind of feels that way because watchmen in itself yeah we weren't i mean we were alive when it was published but we weren't, we weren't reading I it. Book, yeah. you know, I, would, I mean, I was reading other BS comics and whatnot. So, I mean, 
was it as successful? If we could look at the com- comic book numbers, was it successful? Or did it do so well because of the trade? Ooh, that's a very good question. I mean, exactly. I only read it because of the trade. I never, yeah. I didn't get the individual books. I, I really do wonder what the what the sales yeah, were like, for the individual books. Did back it break in the, the top twenty five? Yeah. You know, was Watchmen number one the number one book of that month? Okay, cool. Did it even break? Like, how far did it go in the top one hundred? So I just wonder, you know, because the the story behind Watchmen is crazy. Like, it, you know, that's the feud with Alan Moore and DC Comics. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why is because they said, okay, once we stop publishing this. The rights will go back to you, Alan Moore. Okay. And that's been the only trade ever since they produced it. They've never not printed it again. <sighs> it's always been in, con- in continuous print. Wow. Yeah. And that was kind of a, a you know. A, a, F you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and so it's crazy because, like, I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths, that never got reprinted. It happened in 1985, 86, and it was never reprinted. Until 1998, when they made a special hardcover. Wow! And Crisis is like the 50th anniversary of DC Comics, mm-hmm. and Watchmen was just this Elseworlds before Elseworlds, or <laughs> you know whatever, just a comic book story. And boom, they're printing that thing like you know it's to a point where it was almost like you remember those uh, CD clubs, you know, five for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. And it was for some reason you would always end up with multiple copies of it. Now I can't think of the the guy's name. Peter Frampton comes a lot. You have that CD. You're like, why do I have the CD? Because they kept it in print so much. They're just giving it away, and that's kind of like what I feel with Watchmen. So you might be onto something. Maybe they're just doing it to just like here, let's put it out there. Because what I do find funny, and this is crazy, because if we think about it, okay, the day Dark Side War finished that last issue, Justice League number fifty. That was the same day DC Rebirth, DC Universe Rebirth number one came out. So Johns likes to do that. The Alpha and Omega come out on the same day. You know, he did that with Flashpoint number eight right. and Justice League number one. Um, so it's kind of a little thing he does. And I find it interesting because when we look at a lot of the subplots that were left in both books, how do they come out to play? So like looking at Mr. Miracle, for example, Barda had to go back to the female Furies. And so obviously it was kind of like they just reunited Scott Free and Big Barda, and now she's being taken away. But we have a Mr. Miracle book where they've been living in household bliss. Right. You know, so it's like, all right, so that subplot's probably going to get dropped. But the voice inside Jessica's ring, well, that's getting picked up right now in the Green Lanterns book. Um, and another big thing was the Three Jokers. So at this last weekend, the C2E2 convention, Comic Con Entertainment Expo, over no, Chicago, 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 Chicago Comic. Comics and Entertainment Expo. Go. Yeah, sorry. That's right. We can't say Comic-Con in only special places. <laughs> only in San Diego. Um, but anyway, so when that happened and they were doing the Batman panel, they announced that Jason Fabrook, who's another talented, amazing artist, he's going to be handling the three Jokers. This is almost two years later. We're right. finally going to touch base on this. <laughs> and the writer behind that is Jeff Jones. So I'm kind of worried. It's like... Please make it a three-issue mini, so that way it only takes six months for me to get it. I don't <laughs> know, but, you know, so it's I tough mean, because the guy is the editor-in-chief of the comic books, along with being the chief creative officer of the movie stuff. Right. So he's the top dog of both those fields. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, just, to, just to throw out another example is the Mystic U book. I was so excited about that book. I re- I couldn't wait for it to come out. And then right. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're throwing in months in between. And I'm like, I don't even think that I've gotten to the – there's only a three-issue three mini. And yeah. I don't even think I've gotten to this issue two yet. Oh, spacing does kill Because I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to sound like a crazy man right now. Batman Metal, mm-hmm. I gave up on it like two months ago. Yeah. I loved it. I think it's fantastic. And I only have three more books to go, the Grant Morrison issue and then the last two issues. 
but it got spaced out and i remember talking to you about this where it's like if yeah. you put that spacing it kills comics so yeah just just some just some and i think you know, the last time we recorded i talked i talked to you about this i think i think the side books were the ones that i was actually like enjoying more than the actual book like i, I don't know yeah if well the new the new heroes were something you were excited about mm-hmm. you know and it's funny because it's like spinning out of dark knight's metal <sighs> Well, Dark Knight's Metal just ended about two weeks ago, and we're already on the second or third issue of some of these new side characters. Exactly. Yeah. Which I mean, and, and then you you got to wonder why are these spinning out of there? How did these characters become? You know, it's all right, whatever. Yeah. You know, that's all. But yeah, so basically, DC and Marvel, if you're listening, because we know you are, watch the spacing because that can kill. Well, I think that's funny is that it seems like the general consensus, and maybe I maybe I'm wrong, but just what I've been gathering from the internet is that DC is the book is the company that people seem to be ki- uh, loving. Like they've been, Oh yeah, DC's killing it right now. They're killing it, but obviously it's Marvel that has the more, uh, I don't know, to me it seems like they have the more um, consistent stories, tit- titles, like stuff is coming out. Is that wrong? It's tough. Because like, you know, we may be getting on, like we're talking about Doomsday Clock. That's not a real comic until it finishes. Right. But we haven't missed a Batman. He's been out every other week. Yeah. You know, Justice League has been out every other week. Everything's been on time except for the events. You know, Marvel, on the other hand, they've been doing a great job with putting it out there consistently, but they just haven't made anything interesting. Right. Yeah. And not to say it in <laughs> a mean the, way. Yeah, you know, but because, that's the rub, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like with no surrender, that was huge. I mean, the fact that you were saying, we're going to put out an Avengers book weekly. Oh, my God. I mean, mm-hmm. DC's done it. They've done it multiple times. Marvel's only done it once with Wolverines. So this is going to be huge. And, I mean, granted, it was a cheat. You know, it's like, oh, we're <laughs> just going to take Uncanny Avengers, uh, uh, Avengers, and then whatever the two other books were, and just USA Avengers and one more to go. Right. Just roll it into one family, which makes sense. Hey, you already got the creative there, and you, you do the proper outlines. Right. But I get scared of that kind of writing because they did that. They were the first ones to do that with AVX, Avengers versus X-Men. Mm. And that, going back to voices and characters, as you read that one, that's why I got so disconnected from the story. Because one minute the character's talking left, and then the next issue he's talking right. Well, it's two different writers. Yeah. And it's like, did you not grasp what you're writing here? Not to be mean. Well, not where's to be your critical, editor? But yeah, where's your editor <laughs> on this? So, I mean, I think Marvel's done a better job with editors recently. Because you do have strong editors that are really keeping a good eye on the families, hence the X-Men. Um, but at the same time, it's just we're reading face smiles of characters. And nobody's saying that we don't want Ironheart. Nobody's saying we don't want to see more of Doctor Doom. But don't sell me a Tony Stark book without Tony Stark in it. Right. So I think that's why Marvel's been losing. And then, obviously, you know, the fans that are going to Marvel right now, they're movie fans. Not mm-hmm. to be mean, but, you know, they went and watched Black Panther. That movie was amazing. They go into the comic book store. Cool. And they're not going to... I mean, you you pick up the Black Panther Masterworks Volume 1. Try to read it. <laughs> it's not going to be as exciting. Why? Well, because the artwork is very much planted in the Silver Age. It's Jack Kirby. And the writing is very simplistic because it was Silver Age stuff. Not to kick it while it's down, but... I mean, I love Green Lantern. And I've tried to go back and read <laughs> from, you know, Showcase 22 and forward. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I would read one of those books and I had to stop. I was like, I, I got to find something else that was just a little bit more faster paced. Yeah. You know, so that's why it's like, okay, you're, you're hoping to have a book ready to launch now that'll keep the new movie fan in the store. Whether or not they'll expand, maybe, maybe not, probably not. And Marvel gambled on that, and they're kind of losing. They're doing great in the movies, not so great in the comics. The comics at DC, on the other hand, has been doing fantastic because you have creators that are hyping the hell out of their books. Like, I'm watching what's going on. 
They're hyping the books. I mean, Scott Snyder, no offense, not, not saying this in any way, but he's just a writer. But he's out there putting his heart and soul into this. You know, the only person I can see doing that for Marvel is probably Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen many of the faces that write the Marvel books. But DC, I mean, James Tinian IV, Josh Williamson, these guys have been out there selling their books. So the marketing people are doing a great job of getting you to know who the creators are, like the creators, like the characters, winning formula. The movies, on the other hand, that's a completely different backyard. I'm not even going to step in. <laughs> you know, but I think that's what Marvel could learn is say, look, you know, with C.B. Sabluski stepping in, he's a very favorable guy. Yeah, I know a lot of people got mad with the, 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 uh, the Japanese cultural the assumption cultural identity and all that. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's sorry for it. Uh, you know, that's, that's his cross to carry. Um, but he's a good enough guy that he can get the people out there at least to start saying, hey, why don't you talk about your book? Let's put you in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And Marvel should capitalize on that big time if they want to start picking it up. All right. Well, there you go. That, that's our, our little uh, bullpen for the, for the week. Uh, let's go ahead and get in on our challenge. challenge. So, like we were saying, so, uh, secret identity. No, not secret identity. Spider-Man. <laughs> His secret identity was compromised identity in identity crisis. crisis. There you go. <laughs> Uh, happened in uh, May through June, so April through May of 1998. And uh, in the storyline, you have Norman Osborn uh, frames Peter Parker, or not Peter Parker, but Spider-Man with the, the help of the Trapster, which I actually had to go and look this character up You again. don't remember Pastepot Pete? <laughs> right? And that's all I was looking at. I was like, his, he used to be called Pastepot Pete, and now he's the Trapster. I guess they, when they revitalize him, they were like, Pastepot Pete's a dumb name. <laughs> that but is totally guy, entrenched in the 60s. Let's give him something better than this that. This guy uses glue as a weapon. Okay, we'll call him the Trapster. <laughs> Elmer's. No, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> and uh, the way they do it is they kill a young crook or a crook named Joey Z. By making it look like Spider-Man filled up Joey Z's lungs with web fluid. What a way to die. That is an awful death. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Osborne had provoked Spider-Man into attacking Joey Z earlier, uh, having, it, having it all on tape. So thus, now he is wanted for the murder of Joey Z. And in doing so, Peter Parker wants to go and clear Spider-Man's name. As you would, hey, have to. But uh, you know, him dropping out as Spider-Man at that t- at that moment, he didn't want to create uh, new costumes that had anything to do with spiders because people would put two and two together. Yep. You know, like if he just created the Scarlet Spider again and be like, "Well, we know that it's you. Yeah. You know, you're not fooling anybody." Uh, he goes and he create he he creates four different identities. Two of them are heroes. Two of them are villains. Uh, he creates Prodigy. Prodigy is supposed to be a... I don't remember if he was supposed... I think he gave the backstory of being an alien from another planet, or, you know, something like that. Kind of yeah, the Superman he was very much story. the Superman. Yeah, the but he wore a mask that covered his face. And I thought the the, cool, the, the strangest thing about that... Because in this one, he utilized his super strength and his, uh, you know... Uh, essentially, his super strength and his somewhat invulnerability as Spider-Man for this uh, character. Uh but he wore uh, he wore all gold. He had kind of a the cape and the lightning uh, bolt. Motive yeah, the, on the mask lightning trailer. bolt and the cape. Yeah, so he looked very heroic. And uh, J. Jonah Jameson very much got behind this character, even though he wore a full mask, which is one of the things that he was like, I don't like Spider-Man. Why does he cover his face? Heroes don't cover their face. I need pictures on my desk now, <laughs> Parker. But he was all about Prodigy. He was like, no, this is a hero. This is the right kind of guy. 
Uh, then you had Hornet, which was he used some tech I believe that he got from uh, Rocket Racer, some gyro tech, you know, so that he would he would be able to fly uh, like a Hornet, and he had armor. So I, I guess it was a little bit uh, Iron Man ish power suit kind of versions, right? Uh, that character was very. I, I, he, I remember he, at one point they said because uh, he's in New York, then they said, "Hey, where are you from? Where would you come from?" And he said, "Charlotte." And that was because of the Charlotte uh, Hornets, the basketball team. <laughs> uh, then that was you, a nice shout out, yeah, right. And then you had uh, Ricochet, which he he actually threw on a wig for a white wig. Either it was a white wig or white powder in his hair. I think it was like black and white, right? So he had some like that. yeah, yeah. Like he had some weird color hair, and then uh, very much a '90s leather jacket to wear. <laughs> when we talk about the the, the reign of the Superman versus the Identity Crisis, I just want. Superboy and Ricochet just to like back to back yeah like what I just want that that little leather jacket 90s era of return it would be perfect they don't have to fight just, I want somebody to draw those guys back to back and be like who are you talking to punk <laughs> they're the but, uh, the outsiders the he, com- the movie the, the, the book not the yeah. comic <laughs> uh, this for, uh, so the Hornet persona very much used uh, Peter Parker's intelligence to make it seem that he was you know, because he used his intelligence to create a technological suit and stuff like that. Ricochet, uh, he claimed to be a mutant. Uh, he used his he used a little disc to throw, and using his spider sense, was able to ricochet these discs off of different walls. Think think Captain, Captain America's America. shield, but on a very smaller uh, scale. And then he also had what he called the danger sense, which was essentially just his spider sense. Uh, so he still had his enhanced strength, so he could punch people. Uh, you know all that stuff. Yeah, he basically took a creative way to like, how can I use my spider powers without the spider theme? Because yeah, I think with Prodigy, like basically, didn't he just jump like in a flying pose yes. to be like, I'm flying? So think, yeah, and very much uh, Superman before yeah. he got flying, just like I able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Yep. Uh, so yeah, you know, one of and, and though very much a '90s character, one of my favorite characters out of the out of the four was Ricochet. <laughs> uh, then uh, the last one was Dusk. Now, this one was the one that baffled me because this suit came from the Negative Zone. Is that what it was? No, was it from the Secret Wars or something like that? Uh, I forget where the suit exactly came from, but it gave him the ability. Let's see, the Negative Zone. The Negative like Zone. Okay, so using a costume from another dimension to blend in and out of shadows, as well as to glide. Also uses Spider-Man's superhuman strength and spider sense. Battled the Shocker former, uh, formed a certain friendship with the Trapster using the persona, which enabled him to convince the criminal to admit to framing Spider-Man to a murder. So yeah, the the I, the suit came from the negative zone. It was allowed him to essentially shadow walk. Yeah, uh, kind of like Nightcrawler. One of his powers that people forgot. If Nightcrawler is in the shadows, he basically merges in, kind of chameleon-esque. Right. You know. So. Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly where he would have got this suit, but it because I, like I said, I, this is where I picked up Spider-Man comic books at, uh, and it just kind of baffled me because the rest of them were explained really well. It seemed right. like for me, but in this book, it didn't. See, and this was yeah. the Peter Parker Spider-Man book. Yeah, this one, that one came through because I do remember because it was one of the neat ones on the Spider-Man game for PlayStation, where it basically looked like the Spider-Man costume but inverted negatively, mm-hmm. so like. 
blue was white and red was black. Okay. And so he got that by going on a negative zone adventure, and then he basically knows, like, oh, the, the clothing, the properties have been altered. So that's what they probably used to make the limp for the dusk part. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, again, it's tough when you're just kind of like, I don't know where this came from. I mean, it's a cool-looking <laughs> design, but I don't know what it means. Because <laughs> uh, as far as you know, it looks like he just, like, said to hell with it. I'll just wear all black with, like, a little bodysuit cape. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. So And then eventually, you know, Spider-Man does go and uh, prove his uh, his innocence and the the suits all get hung up in a closet in his bedroom. Uh, I don't remember how long after it was, but they the Slingers book came out, and uh, they uh, they were uh, four heroes that all ended up taking on the personas that Spider Man created. And I remember reading that book, thinking, "Oh, well, Spider Man must have found these four people that wanted to do more he good, gave them, the, yeah. gave them the suits." But he runs into them. And he's like, hey, who do you people think you are? These were all fake identities I came up with. And he goes, he runs back to his his house in Queens, looks in his closet, and his his costumes are still there. Yeah. So, well, and this was the weird part. So it happened immediately, actually, because it was really? 1998 was Identity Crisis. And basically once that happened, they spun it out into its own book, The Slingers, like you mentioned. And it was all because of the Black Marvel. The Black Marvel. Who was basically a modern age character retroactively fit into the Golden Age. And so he's the one who basically found these four teenagers and was like, I want you to be Prodigy. And he would give them powers as well as the costume and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was kind of a weird connection because it's like, well, how do you get Black Marvel connected to Spidey? You know? <laughs> how does he think to be like, oh, I knew those four people were Spider-Man. So let's adopt <laughs> these identities. It, it's definitely a stretch, but that's the magic of comic books. And I think in this Slingers, he ended up being a bad guy. He was he was the, the, the reason he got the four of them together was for bad reasons. It's so long ago, I don't remember the exact story. I just remember liking the Slingers. Uh, I, I remember. I know that in the most re- in some of the recent uh, Ben Riley Scarlet Spider book, when the the Slinger showed up again, um, Black Marvel also showed up. And I do apologize. I need to apologize on this. Black Marvel is an actual Golden Age character. I was confusing him with the Blue. The Marvel. Blue Marvel, the one that they yeah they yeah. created. So yeah, what was what do you know the story behind the Black Marvel? Not so much. But he actually you know March of nineteen forty one back in Mystic Comics number five. Wow. So he he has definitely been a character that's around there, but I don't know much about him because yeah I I, I recently got into the Slingers as well because of the new Ben Riley book and. They met up there, and I thought that was a neat idea because here's other motifs of Spider-Man, Peter Parker meeting another, well, meeting a clone of Spider-Man. Um, but even they were manipulated by the quote-unquote Black Marvel right. as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my challenge came out, and I said, "Hey, uh, let's go ahead and re- recast the Spider-Man Identity Crisis in the DC Universe uh, since it's the 20th anniversary of the story, and uh, we need a Spider-Man." We need a Norman Osborn. We need a Trapster. Uh, and then, instead of uh, using characters that I guess already exist, we had to create new characters. So, essentially, we have to give our Spider-Man four... We have to create four new characters for our Spider-Man to inhabit. Yeah. So, uh, and a bonus, if you wanted to. I, I didn't throw this one out to you before, but if you wanted to come up with the, the victim, the person that gets killed, the Joey Z, if you will... Uh, you could. So I think I actually have it. Yeah. Right. Luckily, I got one because I needed my. <laughs> what are they framing them for? So I've got one. Exactly. So all right, let's go ahead and hear yours first. Okay. So I decided I'm going to amalgamate Ooh. some stories together. Um, I know we had this conversation and we could still do this challenge because I'm very much piqued and interested in the story. 
So I remember they did a story that was called Bruce Wayne Murder, <laughs> and it was immediately followed up with Bruce Wayne Fugitive. Yep. So I decided, well, what if I changed it to Batman Murderer? Because the whole motif on that story is Bruce Wayne did something wrong. Right. So what if we change that? So basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the fugitive storyline, which, which was 2002, so about four years later. So I'm going to take that story and I'm going to amalgamate it with Spidey's identity crisis. So obviously who's my Spider-Man? It's going to be Batman this time. Mm-hmm. So the frame-up job, what's going to happen? So Lex Luthor is still pissed at Bruce Wayne. For going after him during the no man's land. You know, I believe President Luther was in charge at that time. Gotham City was exiled from the United States. Bruce Wayne went to Congress, tried to fight it, and ultimately, I think he won, just barely, even though the corrupt politics were there. So I've always liked the idea, and I know they've been doing that even more so with the modern comics. Luther knows their secret identities. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm going to give some advanced knowledge here that Luther knows Batman is Bruce Wayne. So I'm going to give him that in my story. So he's just pissed, you know. So in this, in the original story, he meets up with David Kane, Kane. and they go on to frame Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Well, this time, what if he meets up with Rochelle Ghoul? Ooh. So these two men know Bruce Wayne and Batman are the same. Now, okay, they sit down and they strategize, like, what are we going to do? Well, it doesn't matter if you destroy Bruce Wayne, because Bruce Wayne isn't necessary. It's Batman. So this time they say, okay, let's get rid of Batman, and let's make Bruce Wayne suffer, because he can't do anything to prevent that. Mm -hmm. So in the original storyline, Bruce Wayne is accused of killing Vesper Fairchild. So this time we're going to very much put it out in public. You know, we'll have Talia dressed up as Vesper, and, you know, she's messing around, and we see a Batman come in and brutalize her. But then eventually we do find out it's the real Vesper Fairchild that got killed. So that's where they kind of do the taping and and the the frame job. So Luther and Ra's al Ghul team up to frame Batman for the murder of Vesper Fairchild. So as this happens, Bruce Wayne's in the free and clear. Bruce Wayne can do whatever he wants. Except be Batman. Right. Bruce Wayne can't go kicking in doors. <laughs> Bruce Wayne can't go to the police department and be like, what's going on? Because he's too close to the case because it's like, well, it was your girlfriend who was murdered. You know, so True. Batman is just kind of put at a stalemate. What can he do? And he can't use his vast arsenal either because it's all bat themed. So that's going to make this a little bit more tough, but it's okay because Batman's got resources. So he's going to come up with his four identities. So I'm going to start with the hero side. So one of the heroes, so basically Hornet was a a good hero of the Spidey identities. I'm going to create the Fox. So that one's going to basically kind of be like Batman light. It's more of a Batman as a Robin. And I took this because if you go back into your Golden Age continuity, Bruce Wayne was the original Robin. Right. And even before he was Robin, he was the Flying Fox. <laughs> he just happened to be traveling through Smallville that one day, and he teamed up with a young Superboy, and so he wore basically his clothes with a little cape and then a giant fox head. And him and Superboy teamed <laughs> up and did an adventure. Yeah, it's wacky ridiculousness, but it's golden golden slash silver age. It was in that era before the two became defined. Right. So I'm going to take that identity, the Fox. So it's going to kind of basically have Bruce Wayne be... A little bit more lighter, not necessarily like gung ho, but you know, a little bit more like okay, you know, I, I can do daytime and nighttime work. Prodigy, so that one's a neat one. So I was like, oh, what can I do with Prodigy? Because Prodigy essentially is Superman. So I thought to myself, and I was like, all right, what can we do? What can we do? So 
I decided to bring back the time Superman and Batman had to work together, they created Ultraman. So we're going to bring the Ultraman identity back. So Bruce Wayne is going to be wearing this Ultraman costume. Now, of course, with Bruce Wayne being Bruce Wayne, this costume is actually going to be the one that gives him superpowers. He'll have flight with it. You know, it'll, it'll, and, and it's still kind of a, a dom, not a domino mask, but a, a half face covering mask, okay. kind of like his Batman cowl. So he'll still have some of the things. So obviously he won't have the ears because of the antenna, but the antennas will still be in there. So he could have quote unquote super hearing and then things like that. So he's going to find ways to get technology to give him Superman-esque powers. Nice. So those would be the two hero identities. Then the bad guy ones, the criminal ones, so I believe it was, you said it was Dusk was the one that befriended Trapster. Yes. So do that. Okay, so I'm going to save that one for last. Okay. So who's my ricochet? Well, I'm going to call this guy Tech. Now, it's going to be a play on words because is it Tech, T-E-C-H, for technology? Right. Or is it Tech for detective? Ah. And it's a mix of the two. So instead of having that cool leather jacket, he's going to have a cool trench coat. So it basically matches Malone a little bit more on steroids, though. So he'll have some of his arsenal there. It won't be bat-themed or whatnot, but he'll still have that ability. And this is where at nighttime he can still go in and kick in some doors and do things like that. And I like that. I, I like the bringing in the Matches Malone kind of uh, – I not, not so much he's taking Matches Malone up a level or anything, but just like he, there is the, the history there of being Matches Malone to get – information that only matches could get for Batman. And that's, yeah, so I thought I would play with that. So that one's kind of an amalgam of things there. And the last one, and this one's going to be fun. So you remember Batman animated series? (laughs) Yes. There was a great character in there, and he was created for Adam West. Now that character is the Grey Ghost. The Grey Ghost. He is not part of of, of mainstream continuity. Wow. So this story is going to introduce the Grey Ghost. So that will be my Dusk. And wow. it'll be the same thing, kind of that shadowy essness. And I'm going to take it a little bit of a play. I'm going to steal from the Green Hornet, where essentially he is this criminal mastermind. Well, I mean, it's, I, the animated character was uh, essentially uh, an homage to the Green Hornet. Too. Exactly, yeah. It's kind of neat how they all played off yeah. each other. So that's what he's going to be. And he's actually going to be the one. He's going to trick Luther into ratting himself out. Basically, yeah, exposing himself. Wow. Because you can't, you can't fool Ra's al Ghul. No. So that's why the Grey Ghost will come in and only deal with Luther and basically kind of be like, here's what we're going to do. So the sad news is, though, he's going to have to sacrifice the Grey Ghost identity Mm. because you need somebody for this frame job. So ultimately, he's going to get Grey Ghost to be part of this new trinity of evil with Luther, Ross, and Grey Ghost framing Batman. So that's how it'll come out. So that'll be the toss-away identity. Um uh, just playing a little bit extra, so I would take those four characters and I would call them the Guardians. Mm-hmm. So we have the Guardian of Metropolis, and we have the you know all these little strike forces and whatnot. And I was almost thinking about stealing Tim, Tim's team, the Gotham Knights, and I thought right. oh that'd be kind of neat to call them that. But I like that idea being Tim's. <laughs> I thought maybe the Gargoyles, but I couldn't necessarily get them all Gargoyles. So these will be the Gotham Guardians. So that could be the little spin-out book that comes through. But ultimately. Somebody will steal the Grey Ghost identity and be a bad guy. And, of course, I'll reform them because I want to yeah. have the Grey Ghost be a hero eventually. Right. So that'll probably be the the first year story arc that's where you I mean, have to get somebody out of it and go for it from that, there. That's also a little similar to uh, Red Hood there, you know, with the yeah. idea of the, the criminal and then uh, back to a hero and then kind of a hero-criminal kind of thing. So 
Yeah. Uh, it's it's very very funny and eerie how close we are to each other in this challenge. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> uh, I I kind of I I started off uh, in the same area of the whole Batman or Bruce Wayne fugitive Bruce Bruce Wayne wanted uh, which would it, however it went. Uh-huh. Um, I started in that area because I remember one particular part of that story uh, when Bruce Wayne. Uh, you know, down in the Batcave, you know, everybody's converging in the Batcave to be like, what happened? Why are you, you know, you're being accused of this. This is terrible. What are we going to do? And Bruce comes out and says, it doesn't matter. I can get rid of the Bruce Wayne persona. I have multiple identities for all of us. We can drop any one of these identities at, at a moment's notice and go on to the next thing. And and that's where uh, Kane, Dave, is it David Kane? Yeah, David yeah, Kane. David Kane messed up. He framed Bruce Wayne for the murder of Vesper. As opposed to framing Batman, because Batman is a persona that Bruce Wayne can't give up, or yeah. Batman can't give up. That's, that's who the he can't get rid of. That's who he really is. Yeah. That's who he really is. And uh, I, I was thinking, well, the person that we want to frame in this story is is Bro- is uh, is the the Spider Man, I should say, because the Spider Man is is the person that you know he he gets framed and he has to come up with. So in mine, it was Tim Drake. Mm-hmm. Robin gets framed because. Tim would to me Tim would hear this Tim would hear Bruce Wayne say this and say uh, or he would hear Batman say I can give up the Bruce Wayne identity we can give up all these other identities at any moment and, and stuff like that it doesn't matter uh-huh. but Tim would be like no I don't want to give up my name I don't want to give up Tim Drake right. you know, even if he even though he does become Tim Wayne at one point before Flashpoint something like, like that a couple issues yeah <laughs> but you know it, that's that's him he, that, that's the way he won but he also wouldn't want to give up Robin because he respects the legacy of Robin yeah well, Tim's a whole different character in the DC, in the Bat universe, because everybody had tragedy that brought him in. Right. Uh, Batgirl, not necessarily. She chose to be that. True. And that's why you always usually have Tim and Babs are the lighter side of things. Yeah. You know, so I totally like that you picked Tim, who would be like, I would never give this up. I have my father, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my family, my legacy. I'm not going to just throw it all away. Yeah. So I like that. So, yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's. Essentially, where I started at, I was like Tim Drake. How how would I be able to to make it so that he had multiple personalities? Who what were the personalities? Or who first? Who would frame him? So, I thought this was interesting. Who is who is Tim Drake's girlfriend? Stephanie Brown. Spoiler, right? Spoiler, yeah. spoiler, spoiler. And Robin are a known couple. Like they they are together. Who's Spoiler's father? The reason Spoiler got into oh, the, the, universe, clue the Clue Master, Arthur Brown. So Arthur sees this, and he's like his daughter, who he knows is Spoiler because she turned him in, and, and Batman actually exposed that to him, at, exposed her identity to Arthur at one point. Uh, he was going to kill Spoiler. He had a knife to Spoiler's <laughs> neck, not knowing that that was Stephanie, and Batman go, tells him, like, that's your daughter. And, wow. And he's like, what? And that ended it right there. You know, that's crazy. I didn't realize that Spoiler is a character older than I thought. Yeah. Like, she's got probably coming up on 20 years of history. Oh, Ooh, definitely wow. longer than that. Maybe maybe hitting the 30-year mark. Wow. And I figured that she was, I, I figured she was like a late 90s, early 2000s character. No, she's like after early, Tim. yeah, just almost right after Tim, too. Yeah. Yeah, and then I never made the connection. Spoiler, because she spoils the clue. The clues, yeah, <laughs> it did not click until just recently. I was like, "What? Wow!" <laughs> so in this, he wants to basically change. The idea is to change his daughter's mind about Robin to make it so that 
you know, your boyfriend's not the you know not a great guy. He he's a villain too, so you should just come with me, kind of thing. So he goes and enlists Captain Boomerang. He pays Captain oh. Boomerang to uh he gets in, he gets a hold of a few Robin R's. I don't know. They're not Batarangs, but they're those R's, yeah. R-rings, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and he, um, he, he. I mean, Captain Cold being or Captain Cold, Captain Boomerang being who he is, can throw him, kill right. people, and they set him up for the murder of Amy Rohrbach. I don't know if you remember who Amy Rohrbach is, but when Dick Grayson was on the Budhaven PD, that was his rookie partner. Oh wow! So. Uh, not just setting him up to kill a, a, a criminal, but to kill a cop that will get other cops looking That's for him. It's going to bring the heat. It's going to bring in other law enforcement, and then it also it takes Dick Grayson out of the out of the book, like out of the equation, right. because he he's going to you know that's going to be a friend of his, someone that he was very close to. And does he trust him now? You know, does he not trust him? I, I don't know if this takes place after Savior or or before Savior or not, but. Savior being the future Tim Drake that comes uh, the that comes from the future the right 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 the Titans of Tomorrow and, okay yeah and stuff like that so uh, with all that being said Tim has to come up with with new personalities he for, first one I started off with was Prodigy so he goes this is the the Superman esque the one the one that he can stand in the, in the light of the sun and be like this is me I'm a hero I'm saving the day he goes and talks to his good friend Cassie Sandsmark who has a connection to the Amazons and the Greek gods and artifacts. Ooh, nice. You remember Wonder Girl, Cassie Sandsmark as, as Wonder Girl, for, when she was first Wonder Girl, she had uh, the wing boots and uh, uh, I think bracers from uh, from Zeus and stuff like that. Like These are all artifacts that she found to become super strength until later on you find out that she's actually a you know part am, uh, Greek god or something like that. Uh, but he goes to her and he gives she gives him what are called the braces of nemesis so nemesis is the in greek mythology is the goddess of uh resignation is that what it was called i think that was resignation something like that anyways essentially stopping stopping people who have done bad things or you know getting uh justice okay so yeah he, he hunts them down to get them to resign from their crime right okay so uh, he the, the bracers uh, give him enhanced strength, enhanced speed, and endurance, and allow him to fight crime during the day. And he he goes by the name of Justice, but Ooh. they also are ju- kind of driving him crazy. You know. Whatever. Also, there's a price to pay for the power. Exactly. I like that. So as, as long as he keeps putting them on, he goes a little bit more power hungry, a little bit more. He starts becoming uh, the, the, the character you just mentioned. What he'll become? <laughs> exactly. It's a, I like that. It's a little. It's a little as savior. Too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little bit savior. Uh, after that, uh, you got the Hornet character, which is very much the tech side. So uh, he goes to Natasha Irons, who is the daughter or the niece of Doctor Henry Irons, Steel. Yeah. Now, she is Steel at one point. She's, I believe, now in Rebirth, also Steel again. She's wearing the power armor. She gives him some power armor. He goes to Cyborg, uh, who then changes it up, gives it some upgrades, make it slims it down so it's not a bulky armor because that's not what Tim Drake would be used to. And right. now he's uh, and it's funny because you called your character Tech, uh-huh. I called my character High Tech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, Cyborg gives him uh, some upgrades. He stops crime as high as High Tech. Though not as bulky as the steel armor, he it's still too restrictive and cumbersome for Tim Drake and slows him down. So he he, he does a lot of uh, tight like tech crime 
fights a lot of tech crime with this because we know that Tim Drake is he's a very tech a savvy dude. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's done a lot of the hacking and stuff like that on his own. So this would be him doing that. Now to the villain side, the Ricochet character, uh, which was you know he was a mutant, he was an outlaw kind of thing like this. He goes to Rose Wilson, who's he'd been on a team with in in the Teen Titans. All right. Uh, Rose Wilson brings him in as a merc, and this was my grab from the animated universe. I don't know if you if you watched Teen Titans, the the cartoon Teen Titans that was on for a while, but All right. uh, there was a character that the Dick Grayson Robin in that show came up with called Red X. Yeah, and so he's going to pull that out, and he's going to be Red X, the merc. Nice. Uh, I don't. I think they finally brought him into the comic books, but I'm not sure. I I don't know because I think I remember hearing something, but. I don't know if it was from the show or the comics. Right. Or so even I don't know the, if he's part of the mainstream the continuity. The comic an- yeah. adaptation of the yeah. show, which isn't part of regular continuity or not. Yeah. But yeah, he would be. He would use the Red X persona to, to run in the, the... Uses the persona to infiltrate villain circles to find out who's really behind the framing of Robin. Fine. And then finally, there's the Dusk persona. Uh, so in the, in the Spider-Man universe, he uses negative zone suit you know whatever to uh to be dusk he uses some apocalypse technology that that's in the bat cave which bruce would definitely have he would be studying it and stuff like oh, that yeah, yeah. it allows tim to become the thief known as slight uh he uses mini boom tubes uh, which allow him to port objects from uh in in small distances as well as single persons at one time or single a single person at a time uh, and it, it allows him, so it makes him a thief. Uh-huh. You know, it makes it so that he's able to steal whatever he needs to steal, and that way he can team up with Captain Boomerang, who very much is a thief as well. Yeah. And uh, you know, eventually we'll get him to confess to, you know, being able to to killing the the, the police officer. So that that was my story. That, those are my four personas. I like it because what 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 what's really cool is uh, I'm sure you caught it, or maybe you didn't see it right now, but. Tim Drake and Captain Boomerang have history. Oh, Identity yeah. Crisis. Yep. And it's funny how this is Identity Crisis as well. So this time, it Tim comes out it, Tim comes out a little bit more ahead, you know, by putting the man in jail. Uh-huh. Um, and I like something because that's something we forget. When we think about, like, okay, like, if you ask yourself, what heroes know everybody in the DC or Marvel Universe? Okay, well, who knows everybody in the DC Universe? Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, what about the Marvel Universe? Spider-Man, you know. See, these are characters we're playing with. And then sometimes some people will say, well, Dick Grayson, he's everybody's buddy. Mm-hmm. But I like that Tim is also, he's that guy's kid brother. Yes. Because I like that, that, you know, Cassie Sandsmark, so that's one of his teammates, ties him to the Amazons. Uh, Rose Wilson, that ties him into, you know, some of the darker elements of the DC universe, the assassins. Uh, Cyborg, you know, again, another Titan member. Uh, Natasha Irons, more Superman family stuff. And then I like this because now this gives him a reason to be messing with New God stuff and, you know, <laughs> Maybe Mr. Miracle pops on radar like, who the hell is this guy trying to upstage me? I'm the one who's all about making things vanish. <laughs> Sleight of hand my ass, you're going to get the back of my hand, you know? So I like that. And plus, you brought in something else, you know, Red X. It's like, what a, I think it's such a neat character design, and I like what Deathstroke did with that, where it was like, oh, Batman thinks he's the ultimate guy and he can create kid superheroes? I can do that. Here's mine, you know? And, <laughs> and I think that's cool that, you know, your story gives more to the DC Universe as it's over with, you know? So they'll get four great characters out of that. So that, I dig it. And that was, that was definitely one of the, the, the parts I was looking forward to <laughs> when creating, when using Tim Drake, is that, to me, yeah, 
uh, Dick Grayson is the buddy to everybody in the universe, but he's the for the adults. Like even though he was the original founder of the Teen Titans, mm-hmm. and he has that sidekick uh, connection, connection and, all that, and yeah. stuff. To me, because of when I started reading comic books, Tim Drake is the connection to the younger heroes. Yeah. He's the the sidekick and stuff like like even even more so than Damien. Like Damien, to me, puts himself uh, isolates himself even when he's with the team. So oh God, yeah, he may be in that book, but it's like he's by himself. <laughs> yeah. So so Tim Drake being the uh, the 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 connection to all these different circles in the DC universe is really what got me to be like yeah there might be some heroes especially the adult heroes that don't believe that he's innocent or something like that for right. whatever reason but his friends the people that he's worked with forever would be like yeah yeah i well, can trust you exactly i like that because it's you know the cassie obviously would trust him she mm-hmm. knows him you know uh cyborg would trust him and maybe even cyborg is the one who reaches out to uh natasha, natasha. that's you good know? Yeah. so that could be that because maybe natasha's like i don't know who the hell this kid is but you know vic uses that connection hey i need some tech can you and your uncle give me something then he'll streamline it and give that and then you know obviously one he steals from bruce to become the dusk type character mm-hmm. um and your last persona rose rose would trust dick because I don't know their histories that well, but it's like it's kind of definitely when people thought bad of Rose, Tim was the one who still stood by her side. Yeah. And I like that because those are close-knit friends. Because in your story, I think it's neat how Dick is like, I want to think the best, but I saw with my own eyes. I know that material is ours. That is our R. That is not <laughs> fabricated. And so it's tough because it's like Dick is like, you know, he's going to be too emotional because his rookie cop partner got killed. Mm-hmm. Then his rookie partner, Robin, is the murderer. So it's kind of, and I like how you found a way to exit him from the storyline instead of just being one of those, like, this just happened to be the week he wasn't in Bloodhaven. <laughs> you know, so I think that's and, really and, neat. And I think that, I, I, th- I really do think that Dick Grayson, though a great character, I love Dick Grayson, I love Nightwing and stuff, I think he's the most emotional out of all the back characters. Oh, yeah. Like, he's the one that allows his emotions to get the best of him when. Not not saying that's a bad thing, just saying that's... Well, oh, but everybody else can turn it off and stay on the mission. Yeah. Dick's always going to be the guy looking over his shoulder, like, are they okay? Are they okay? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So... Nice. So that there there was our cha- there was our challenge. There was our results. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think of that, what you thought of uh, our choices, our decisions. Also, this weekend, we will be in Mission Viejo, California for their uh, library Comic-Con. So if you are in that area and love to come talk to us we'd love to see you we'd love to talk to you so uh before you get to that if you want to follow us on twitter i am on twitter as mitchipedia at mitchipedia g-e-r i've changed my uh twitter handle so that i am more with uh the whole geek elite radio uh persona as opposed to just my love for Azrael agent of the bat <laughs> but uh yes i am at mitchipedia g-e-r you should be able to find it that way uh, Chris is also on Twitter as uh, stuff I should say should being spelled S H U D. The rest of Geekly Radio is at Geekly Radio on Twitter, at Geekly Radio on Instagram, Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Radio is our Facebook page, and Geekly Radio.com is our website. Check out our website for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geekly Radio network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs>